All right, welcome back to the listener's commentary on the Gospel of Luke. In this session, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. It's still part of the birth narrative, if you will, of Jesus himself. And yet it takes place a while after birth. So let's set up the context so we make sure we hear where we're at in the story, and then we'll walk down through the details. So Jesus has been born. That was the last session. Mary and Joseph and Jesus are staying in Bethlehem, presumably with maybe family or friends. As we noted in the last session, Joseph still has family connections in Bethlehem. It's his hometown, which means there's still family and family land there. So presumably that's who they're with, but we don't know 100% for certain. And now it's time for the purification and setting apart rituals required by the Old Testament law. Remember, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus are Jews, and they're going to carry out their Jewish customs, their Jewish traditions. And Joseph and Mary are blameless. They're devout. They're uh, law-abiding Jews. And so it's time for the purification and setting apart rituals required of them by the Old Testament law. And this snapshot then takes place in the temple as the family, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, travels the few miles from Bethlehem to Jerusalem and into the temple for these rituals. Let's read. It says this in Luke 2, beginning in verse 22. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him, baby Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now, let's sort this out just a little bit. This purification ritual is described in Leviticus 12, 1 through 8. For boys, the days to completion that are mentioned here was 40. So at this point, uh, Jesus is a month and a half old, which is why I say it's likely they're staying with family or maybe close friends there in Bethlehem. They're, they're not hunkered down in a cave for a month and a half until this event happens. Certainly, they're not in an extended stay hotel anywhere. There is not even a hotel in Bethlehem. So uh, they're, they're staying with family and friends, and Jesus is about 40 days old when they travel the few miles from Bethlehem to the temple in Jerusalem. And firstborn males were supposed to be set apart to God. Um, and that derives from the Exodus story where the final plague on Egypt and during the ten plagues was the death of the firstborn. Uh, but Israel, if you recall that story uh, in the Passover event, they put blood uh, on the doorposts of their house uh, and their firstborn males were thus spared. Well, as a result of that, God instructed Israel to consecrate the firstborn to him. Exodus 13, 2 says, Sanctify to me every firstborn, the firstborn of every womb among the sons of Israel, among the people and animals alike, it belongs to me. And so firstborn males were to be set apart to God as a reminder of how God delivered them from Egypt through the Exodus. So Jesus is being set apart according to that instruction, and Mary is performing her purification ritual. Uh, there was a purification ritual required uh, 
according to Leviticus chapter 12, after the birth of a child. And so Mary is performing her purification ritual. Jesus is being set apart according to the instructions for firstborn males. And notice what they offer for Mary. They offer, it says, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Birds, that's what they offer. What does that tell us? Well, that tells us that Mary and Joseph were extremely poor. Uh, the uh, offering was supposed to be uh, a lamb, not a not birds. If you offered birds, that indicated that you were in the poor category, and that's all you could afford. And so here's what Leviticus 12.8 says. It says this, If she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so Mary and Joseph were poor, and they therefore offered birds instead of a lamb. Well, let's not get lost in the details of the rituals, however. That's merely the backdrop for what happens in the temple. So what happens? Well, look at Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It says this, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And so Simeon, it is an older man living in Jerusalem, and it says he's looking for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? Well, that phrase describes the longing of the Jews who have been under foreign occupation for centuries and who knew what God had promised through the prophets. And so they're waiting and they're watching for God to fulfill the promises to bring comfort to Israel, to forgive her of her sins, to free her from oppression, and to restore her fortunes. Well, as a devout Jew, Simeon himself has been watching and waiting and looking for this. Look at verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, the Lord's Christ. And so the Spirit of God had revealed to Simeon in some way that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Messiah, who would actually accomplish this restoration of Israel, this consolation of Israel. And so he's waiting and watching, and he has inside intel that it's going to at least begin before his death. And he came in the spirit, verse 27 says, to the temple. And when Mary and Joseph, when the parents brought the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, Simeon and Mary, Joseph, and Jesus bumped into each other, or Simeon was directed to them. And Simeon does this, verse 28, then he, Simeon, took Jesus into his arms and blessed God and said, so in some way, the Spirit of God had led Simeon into the temple on this occasion because today was the big day. And in the temple, he bumps into Mary and Joseph, or is directed to Mary and Joseph by the Spirit, and he takes the month-old Jesus into his arms, gazes upon him, and praised God, blessed God. And this is what he said, verses 29 through 32. Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And so Simeon, looking at this little tiny 
infant Jesus, he recognizes by the prompting of the Spirit who he's holding in his hands. And he praises God because his eyes, he says, have seen your salvation, your deliverance right here in the flesh in this little tiny human being. And Simeon's words echo ancient promises, ancient prophecies from the book of Isaiah about God's salvation. Listen to some of these words from Isaiah. Isaiah 52 verses 9 and 10 say, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all the nations so that all the ends of the earth may see the salvation of our God. Or Isaiah 49.6 says, You are the light of the nation so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Or Isaiah 46, 13, and I will grant salvation in Zion and my glory for Israel. And so there, holding this tiny little human in his arms and prompted by the Spirit, Simeon recognizes Jesus as the servant promised in Isaiah who would bring salvation to Israel and to the Gentiles as well, to all the nations, the Gentiles, to all the ends of the earth. And remember, that's one of the major themes of Luke's gospel. And so he highlights this for us right from the beginning that these promises include all the nations, all the Gentiles, all the people. So Israel uh, and Gentiles alike. Here is God's salvation in the flesh in this month and a half old little baby. And verse 33 says, And his father and mother, Mary and Joseph, were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul to the end that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And Simeon sees that even though this little tiny human being is the Messiah, is the deliverer, is the one to bring salvation to the ends of the earth, he sees that, that, that Jesus' task is going to be hard, going to be fraught with opposition and pain to the point that a sword's even going to pierce Mary's own soul. Uh, he will cause the rise and the fall of many which seems to allude to Isaiah 8 and Isaiah 28 about the stumbling stone metaphor and those who stumble over the stone. He will be opposed. A sword's going to pierce Mary's soul, presumably meaning he, he will suffer, which means she as his mother will suffer. And the effect of all of that, Simeon says, is that um, this little one and their reaction to him is going to reveal what's going on in many people's hearts. And and so Simeon has pronounced this blessing on Mary and Joseph. He's pronounced this praise of God for getting to see uh, the Messiah. Well, that's not it, though. While they're still in the temple and they're going to carry out these, these uh, rituals, these customs, there's someone else in the temple that they run into. Verse 36, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after their marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. Uh, she never left the temple, serving night and day with fasting and prayers. So here is Anna, a very old widow, 84 years old. She had been married for seven years, and then her husband had died, and so she had lived most of her life as a widow. Well, at this point, she is literally 
uh, focusing her life on the worship of God, spending uh, her days and even her evenings in the temple. She's fasting regularly. She's praying regularly. She is completely devoted to the Lord and to worship. She's constantly in the temple. Um, and she sees all that's going on, and she apparently may be prompted by the Spirit as well. Verse 38 says, At that very moment she came up, and she began giving thanks to God, and continued to speak of this little one to all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel. And so even though he's a little baby, she starts telling people, I've seen him. I've seen him. He's small, but he's here. And God has, has uh, sent his Messiah, his salvation into the world. So what an encounter in the temple. Mary and Joseph were just going to carry out the custom of the law. And yet God, by his spirit, is prompting uh, these two uh, people to both older people, in fact, to come and praise God and bless this child and tell people about him. Well, Mary and Joseph go about their business. Verse 39, they, had, they, they fulfilled the customs when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord. They returned to Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth. And so Mary and Joseph return back home. They carry this out and they return back home. Now, if you're familiar with Matthew's account, you know that there's more events that happen. And we just have to recognize that. You have multiple accounts. They're telling the story for their own purposes. And Luke doesn't tell us everything that happened. We know from Matthew's account that at some point, while they're staying in Bethlehem, wise men from the east arrive. Herod seeks to destroy the baby. Mary and Joseph flee to Egypt, right? So Luke leaves all of that out and the killing of the baby boys. Um, Matthew, for his part, he doesn't have anything about the shepherds or any of that. Each author chooses the details according to their purposes and their goals. And so we don't have all the details in one account. So Luke simply tells us that Mary and Joseph finish this task of uh, the purification ritual. And then at some point, they return back home to their own city of Nazareth. Um, and while there, verse 40 Luke says, the child continued to grow and to become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And so they return to Nazareth. Jesus grows like any normal little boy. He learns how to walk. He learns how to talk, right? He begins to go to synagogue school. He grows up. And at some point, he will see a snapshot in Luke of him as a 12-year-old, and then we jump clear to a 30-year-old. We don't get anything really of his growing up years. Luke just wants us to know that he continued to grow and become strong, and he was increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, let me offer just a couple reflections as we wrap up this section. And the first reflection is simply pay attention in these early chapters of uh, Luke's gospel, particularly chapter two about Jesus, to the early witnesses to Jesus. Think of the shepherds. You have shepherds. And we noted when we talked about the shepherds in the last session that the shepherds were young boys and girls, typically, 8, 10, 11, 12 years old. They're, they're young children. We have an old man named Simeon. We have a widow who's 84 years old named Anna. Luke has emphasized the ordinariness of all of this and even the lowliness of all this. It's not the high and mighty and the rich and powerful. It is the common, the ordinary, even 
the lowly and the seemingly unimportant, and an old man, a widow, uh, young children who are shepherds, which tended to be at the lower end of the social spectrum, right? Obviously born in a peasant home, Mary and Joseph offering um, birds, so they're poor. Like We're not emphasizing the high and mighty. We're emphasizing the common, the ordinary, and even the lowly. And pay attention to that. Um, also, another reflection here is just the hints of trouble right from the very beginning. Jesus is a month and a half old, and yet Simeon's words are like storm clouds beginning to dot the horizon. There's trouble brewing. Yes, he is the deliverer. Yes, he is a light of revelation for all people. Yes, he's going to bring God's salvation, but it's not going to be an easy task. It's not going to be uh, without difficulty, hardship, and opposition. It's going to be fraught with peril, so much so that a sword is even going to pierce Mary, his mother's heart. Uh, there are storm clouds already beginning to gather on the horizon, even for one-month-old baby Jesus. And Luke hints at that, and we'll see that building and building and building all throughout uh, Luke's presentation of the story of Jesus.